Hi, my name is Deborah Ogden and I would like to welcome you to On Brand With. Through this podcast, I want to bring you into my world of personal brand and impact and hopefully bring it to life through the experiences of me and my guests. Over the coming episodes, I will talk to a range of people I know and admire and ask them about the different ways they use their personal brand, the positive benefits it can bring and what best practice looks like in the real world. Well, today's guest is Gary King and Gary and I have known each other. I've been working it out, Gary, and I don't know if you're going to be able to put a number on this, but I reckon it's close to 10 years. Wow, 10. Yeah, yeah, because, well, maybe nine and a half, but I think you were one of the very first people I met at a networking event. And therefore, and in June, the business will have been going 10 years. Oh, wow. Would you have put that long on it? I'd have said six, to be fair, but mine's 10 years old as well this year, and time flies, doesn't it? Yep. But yeah. yeah, and I but I can't remember who introduced us or which event it was. No, I can't either. I think it was through BIY. But before Possibly, we get on yeah. to that, right, before we wow. get on to that, Gary King is a good friend of mine, a good business friend of mine. And I think it's fair to say that we've shared a few stages together we and we've joked that we'd be good understudies for each other at times because we both come from the same place when it comes to delivering excellence in business I think and therefore I really wanted to get Gary onto the podcast and just share some of the thoughts that you have I have and explore some of those ideas but Gary has many hats apart from being a Leeds United fan which we will pass over very (laughs) very quickly Um, he runs Tendo and uh, he also is a director of Think Smart Marketing, your hidden gem VA um, administrator. So I'll let yeah, Gary fill it yeah. in. Have I got that right? Absolutely. Yeah. But I also know him as part of the Association of Business Mentors. I think we'll talk about experts this afternoon. Yes. But that's something that we're both very passionate about. And I know I've spoken with you and for you and Kelly. Yes. Um, for the ABM. And I know you're also a young enterprise director, so so many hats, Gary. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Look, for me, it's about, my business is 10 years old this this year, and I wanted to I wanted to change the dial as far as business failures are concerned. There's 95% of small businesses that fail. And it's not just the business owner that loses their livelihood and their dream, it's the whole... It's the whole devastation behind those. It's the families that are impacted. It's the creditors' families that are impacted. It's it's how they pit themselves up again. And I saw that, and it was a heartbreaking statistic. And I wanted to really change how business owners went about doing business. And so for me, if I can help them from a business point of view, if I can help them with the marketing, if I can help them with the admin that's causing them to drown, then then that's great for me. But also... I want to try and catch some young as well. So if I can influence 14, 15, 16-year-olds that mm-hmm. are perhaps thinking about going into business or thinking about doing things differently, then I want to influence them at that age because they're tomorrow's business owners as well. So I'm trying to come at it from multiple angles. So it's a truly holistic approach, isn't it? Yeah, I think you can't, you can't just educate and re-educate 
business owners that are maybe stuck in a rut or their habits are ingrained. You know, let's catch people at 14 and 15 years old and say, if you're going to run a business in the future, you need to start thinking about it now. Don't wait until you get to 14. You take a redundancy check mm-hmm. and think, what do I do? Start to think about it at 14, 15 years old. And the thing that really inspires me with the young enterprise, and I know and I wear one or two other similar hats as well, is teenagers get a bad rep. Yeah. Uh, for all the reasons that we know, and some of them, sometimes it's justified. But some of the children that we work with on the Young Enterprise Programme are truly inspirational. They've got some great ideas. They're hardworking and, you know, innovative. And, and some of these are going to be really fantastic leaders in the future. And if we can just harness those and we can give them the tools to be better leaders, then what is there to lose? And at that age, they've still got the belief. They've not had the belief knocked out of them have they or they through... baggage do they absolutely absolutely so that creativity that and and also they've come through making us sound ancient but we've had to learn about social media we've had to learn about our online presence whereas for them it's something that they've grown up with well there's a relatively new concept it's called uh, reverse mentoring mm-hmm. and what reverse mentoring is you know mentoring is traditionally and obviously that's the hat that I wear mentoring is somebody with experience passing that experience on to somebody without that experience and typically that's somebody that's a little bit more advanced in terms of experience and age and knowledge and qualifications mm-hmm. passing that down to somebody without those but actually when you've got somebody of our age mm-hmm. talking to somebody that's 15 20 25 years old we can learn from them around you know lifestyle and about technology and you know they can teach us and that's reverse mentoring and so there's as much to be gained from working with children of that age for us as it is that they can learn from us absolutely and with um trying to think who it was I think it was Jodie Hill that I was talking to on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about that self-promotion and um and deb hetherington also talked about him when i first met deb we laughed about it on on air when i said oh will you come on the podcast and she said oh yeah i'm you know a a shameless self-promoter and i think that is something that has become as part of that generation whereas for me even though i work in personal branding it's all about visibility and profile happy to stand on a stage but sometimes to put your work out there you have that moment of, oh, here goes, be brave, whereas I don't think they have quite the same inhibitions that we might have. Yeah, and I think I think the challenge is with today's social media, and we've all seen the ramifications of that in the last couple of weeks mm. with, with the obvious Caroline Flack issue, but it can be a bad thing, but it can be a great thing. And I think the yeah. trick is with being a self-promoter and using social media to do that, it's a really, really fine line between getting it right and then going too far. And, you know, you just need to put out one post or put one comment on one post that is is received the wrong way and the damage it can do is huge. So it is a very, very fine line. Absolutely. And this is something, particularly if I'm working with people one-to-one, it's the subtleties when it comes to branding, particularly it's the subtleties and it can just be one comment, one post, as you say, or one lack of a comment that can really destroy a brand or can start to 
place those question marks in people's heads. And one of the challenges I have sometimes is if I'm delivering to a larger group, because some of the changes are so subtle that people don't see it as a big thing to do. So it's easy to do it. But if it's easy to do, it is easy not to do it. And I think some of the disciplines that you talk about in growing a business are very similar to that aren't they I know you use your but I think of part of your brand as part of your going to the gym in the morning and that discipline of that's part of your routine and I think that's something you share a lot too yeah and I think look running a business is about attitude and it's about turning up every single day and yeah okay we all have our duvet days some days but you know, for me, it's, it's you know, and some people will comment and say, I'm sick to death of every time I log on to social media, there's a picture of you at six o'clock in the morning outside the gym, like, give it a rest, who cares? I'm not bothered about those people. What I'm bothered about is those people that say, do you know what? I really was struggling to get motivated and get focused and your post has given me that inspiration. And, you know, and if I take the gym as a as a metaphor, you know, people that are overweight, people that are finding excuses not to go at the gym. Well, it's half an hour a day, four days a week. It's two hours. It's mm. it's like less than three or four percent of your day or your week. But those same people that haven't got two hours or three hours to go at the gym in a week are spending countless hours on social media or mm-hmm. watching junk television or whatever it is that they do. So it's about choice, isn't it's it? It's about making those choices. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was doing a talk recently in a school to a bunch of children of a similar age to what we mentioned and say, look, every day and pretty much every hour of every day, you're faced with two choices. Do you pull the duvet over and hit the snooze button or do you get up and grab the day by the scruff of the neck? Do you choose to go with those friends that are going to get you distracted and, and not focused on your exams? Or do you shut them out and don't bow to peer pressure mm. and you, you open your, your book and do your homework? And it's those choices that, you know, what choice do I make today, Monday? What choice do I make today that's going to influence my next month, my next quarter, my next year's results? Well, some would say, well, one day isn't going to make a difference. Well, it, it's making that choice today and then another choice tomorrow and another choice the day after. And it's the it's the accumulation of those if you like yeah that start to make the the habitual change to make the difference in in your results so it's marginal gains isn't it you know impact on the whole we've heard it talked about in sport but in yeah. business it is is so so true and I find it fascinating in that when I talk to people and I'm sure you get this experience as well that people say well I haven't really got time to do that I haven't really got time to look at my personal brand I haven't got time to sit down and write a clear business plan whatever it may be but actually when it comes to the crux point when it comes to that point where they've missed out on a promotion they've missed out on a dream pitch and then they come running it's too late and I, I love the old Chinese proverb you know when's the best time to plant an oak tree 20 years ago next best time is now and it's recognizing that it's it's time to start doing something now however small it is just move it forward but that's the mentality again you know somebody that says I haven't got time to work on my personal brand I haven't got time to write a business plan are those same ones that are justifying why they haven't got time to go at the gym mm, yeah. and everybody's got time to go at the gym you know if if Barack Obama can go to the gym if if <laughs> you know if some of the some of the most powerful and successful people on the planet have got time to go to the gym have got time to work on their brand have got time to work on their business plan well so has everybody else what it really is is this isn't a high enough priority for me and I'm going to I'm going to find an excuse and justify using that excuse as to why I've not done something 
So you talk about choice, and I know choice is a big thing for you, that freedom to choose. And what I love about your message is the work-life balance and it's that choice so that you can go off and have your lovely weekends yeah. away and have that choice within business so why did you set up your own business was it to have that freedom yeah I think that was part of it as I say the, the driver for me was seeing businesses around me failing at such a high failure rate 95 percent and you know I'd seen that you know my dad had had countless businesses that had not succeeded at. I had a number of friends and people around me that were mm. were struggling and I got the opportunity I'm, I'm I'm not different to many people where I you know I left a corporate job and I wanted to start out and I wanted to influence those people that were failing but one of the things for me is I you know I was working in a FTSE 100 business that was the you know very very successful business but, you know, I was working 80, 85 hours a week. You know, I was having conference calls at six in the morning, 10 at night, Saturdays, Sundays. You know, you never, ever, ever got time off. And so for me, it was, yeah, it was great. It came with the, the salary and the, the bonus and all the package and oh, all that, yeah. of course. But, you know, I wasn't happy. You know, I was making myself ill. I wasn't sleeping. My relationships were frayed. You don't have time to enjoy the benefits, no. do you? And so for me, I thought, well, you know, if I could build a business that allows me to choose what time I start work, because I was expected to be in the office at seven and I was often there at seven. You know, I was the first one in, the last mm. one out. I was in Saturday mornings, you name it. I thought, do you know what? There's got to be a different way. Mm. And, you know, if I could build a business that allowed me to choose when I worked, how I worked, and where I worked from, then surely that's not a bad thing. So for me, it's all about helping business owners have the freedom to choose how, when, and where they work. And if they mm. can if they can achieve that, they've got the ultimate in choice. Yeah. And look at the people in our network. By the way, I had a quick look at your LinkedIn profile before, I, before we okay. met today. And we have got 414 mutual contacts, wow. which I just thought was incredible. I knew we had many, but I was quite surprised that it was so many. But I look at the people within our network, and I'm thinking of Debbie Whitaker, our accountant, you know, Paul Dodd, different people that we know and have known for a long time. And I would say we all come from a very similar similar point of view yep. we all have that we all look for that balance we all care about our clients we all have aspirations of excellence we always go the extra mile and offer that little bit more and is that something that you think is that something that you teach mentor your clients or do you think that is something that is inbred in people I think it's a combination to be fair I think I think I think it's in ground but mm. I think people get out of the habit mm. and maybe they it's not laziness it's mm. about prioritization and I think a big part of it for me which is I think why we talk a similar language is that people don't understand the positive and negative ramifications of their personal brand mm -hmm. you know again I was talking in front of a bunch of school children recently I think there was maybe a hundred of them about their future aspirations mm -hmm. and what what they needed to stand out from the crowd yeah. because in business now there's hundreds of people do what we do there's yeah. so much choice online offline that anybody that's in the market for a b or c service are going to have options so how do you stand out from the crowd so I talked about this choice, mm. you know, get up on the morning and polish your shoes, iron your shirt, 
wash and brush your hair. Yeah. Well, why does it matter? I'm a teenager. It's not cool. Mm. Because a prospective future employer is going to look at you and think, you've got shoes that are unpolished. You've got a shirt that's not ironed. How's your attention to detail when you come to work for me? You know, we're looking to recruit graduates at the moment. Have you got the attention to detail I need? Or are you going to be as as shoddy with that as you are with your appearance? Yeah. So I talked about just, you know, if you go, if you polish your shoes and iron your shirt and you say please and thank you as a teenager, might not be cool to do that sometimes, but you're going to stand out from all of your peers and you're going to be the one that's chosen for that opportunity when it comes yeah. along. Now, the ironic thing was I was giving this talk <laughs> and then I looked down on the front row and there's a teacher that's got a pair of shoes on that literally have never seen polish and I'm kind of cringing trying to not look at them. But <laughs> from that point onwards, they dominated, you know, my eyesight. Your view, yeah. But but for me, it is, I think, I think we, we, we deselect and I think it's a, I think, you know, this whole surround yourself with people that are similar to you. You know, if I... If I'm surrounded with people that don't polish the shoes, I I just, you know, my brain says they're not like you, don't associate with them. And there's nothing wrong with them. No. But I choose to associate myself with people that talk the same language, that live and breathe the same values as me, that that have got the same passion for achieving the results. It's that unconscious bias. Yeah. Maybe that's a phrase I was looking for. Yeah. But I, yeah. Think, I think we naturally deselect those people. Not that there's anything wrong. They're just, they're in a different subset of... Of, of society if you like yeah people get quite um cross angry um quite confrontational when i talk about how you present yourself and you know all the cliches you shouldn't judge a book by its cover yeah. but it's understanding the psychology behind it and that's exactly it we want to work with people like us who are attracted to and I understand that you need a diverse workplace and that brings different points of view etc but it's that primal first decision and people talk about seven seconds ten seconds but they're saying now it's a tenth of a second that we make that decision in and that's a subconscious decision so we use all our all our senses but our visual sense is the first sense that um, you know we make that first impression with the interesting thing is now going back onto the online piece is that quite often the first impression is an online impression Absolutely. and somebody has googled and you know I can remember working with a guy a few years ago who said I want to change the view of that people have of recruitment consultants because I think we get bad rap and he said, you know, we're seen as always out on the town, networking and a bit flash, etc., etc. Anyway, I looked at his LinkedIn profile and his photograph was him on a balcony with a glass of champagne and he'd mirror sunglasses on. And I said, you've got to realise that that's somebody's first impression of you and you are absolutely backing up. All those preconceptions. Absolutely. Yeah. So to come back to your question, I think, you know, what I can do and what I try to do is educate those people around me of the choices they need to make and the perceptions that people will have of those. So if I've got a client who's got a pair of shoes that look like they're not polished, I will say, do you realize that some people that you want to sell your product and service to are going to have a first impression of that? Mm -hmm. Is that the first impression you want to give? No. And you might have all the excuses in the world why you've not polished your shoes, but it literally takes 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, so, so be aware of it. If you choose to continue... 
and not do anything about that, then you've got to be prepared to suffer the ramifications. And you've made that choice again. You've made and that choice. And the thing about that is that's in your control. And so much more of what we communicate in that first impression is down to our non-verbal communication. And that is very hard to control. So if you're nervous, people tend to forget to smile and make that connection. Yeah. But actually polishing your shoes or whatever it may be, ironing your shirt, are things that sound so simple. But it's, but it's, I think the trick is, and it comes back to that question you asked earlier, you know, I, was, I, I met a prospective client here today. Now, obviously, it was two inches deep in snow this morning. It's been raining. Um, so my choice this morning was, do I put some really, really smart shoes on that mm. I do every single day, but they're potentially going to get ruined in the mm. snow or I'm going to fall on my back end or whatever. So I've put on more practical footwear. I'm not put a shirt on because I've got a t-shirt and a sweater and I'm kind of wrapped up warm. She turned up in a pair of skinny jeans and a pair of gym trainers and said, the first thing she said is, I apologize for my attire, but my shoes got soaking on the way into work and actually my coat got wet, so I had to borrow a coat, so apologies. But I think the, the, the point I'm trying to make is, I, I was having this decision in my mind this morning, what do I wear and how is meeting this person going to, how is she going to perceive me when she meets me? Mm. But some people don't even go through that decision every day. No. And I, I think some, some because people don't care and some people because they're not even aware it's it's something they should be debating. Yeah, it's an awareness piece. Yeah, and, and, and let, look, let me just, let me give an example. So I was, um, I was in an event quite a few months ago and there was somebody presenting and they were, they were very overweight. Now, mm -hmm. I've got nothing against them being overweight mm. at all. That's mm -hmm. their choice. Mm -hmm. But the clothes they had on were mm. far too small. So every single bulge was... Mm. And it just didn't look professional to mm -hmm. me. Now, yep. what their weight is is what their weight is. But, so, but wear something that fits you, that maybe hides it a little bit or looks a bit more professional. But me, I'm kind of saying, and, I'm, and I, it's that first... Well, it's a distraction. It's a, it's a distraction, but I'm kind of message. starting to think, you know, what what message is that giving out? What message is that going to give about how professional they are in business? What mm. message is that giving out as to who wants to work with them and mm. who doesn't? So it just, it starts to ask these questions. Now, it's not a service that I'd ever want to buy. I might potentially want to refer mm. it at some point, but it does, it did start me to wonder, and it's the same thing when you see people with dirty fingernails or unpolished shoes or whatever it might be. So for me, it's about when you're presented with choice and you've got five people to choose from, are you going to choose the one that looks the part, that's professional, mm. that turns up on time, that speaks appropriately? Are you going to choose one that's got dirty fingernails, unpolished shoes, swears like a trooper, turns up late? Mm. You know, so I think, I think just, just, naturally we start to deselect people when you talk about the person presenting like that i think when you walk into a room you automatically make that connection with people so we want to work with people that we like we enjoy working with people that were passionate about their businesses and i worked with i ran a workshop um, a few months ago and understanding how people respond. So they were all very nervous walking into the workshop and therefore none of them smiled or made eye contact with me yeah. when they walked in. And we're talking about personal brand and impact here. But it's interesting how that 
lack of self-awareness is actually key to the whole the whole picture yeah it's it's people not understanding the impact of that little thing that for many it's insignificant or it doesn't matter but i think this is the difference this is what separates the wheat from the chaff it's those Mm. that those that are wired up to say what am i going to wear today and how is that going to be perceived Mm. you know people that turn up late all the time you're sorry i'm sorry i'm late no you're not you're just sorry that you've set off too late again and you know, as I say, I, I was due to have an appointment here today and the guy's bumped. Now, mm. I, I've sent him the diary planner, the email's there, he's not accepted it, it's just not gone in. I'm probably going to think next time he sends me a note to say, look, can we reschedule the coffee? I've not even had the common courtesy of a sorry or I'm late or yeah. whatever. Whereas another guy I was due to meet today said, I've got a three-hour round trip, my car's out of service, I've got to get two trains and walk to get to you mm. and two trains and walk back. So I sent him a note and said, look, it's not a priority that we meet today. Why don't we meet when the weather isn't so bad mm. and you don't have that round trip? Yeah. So he's engaged with me around potentially not turning up today and I feel great. Fine, yeah. we've, had a, we've had a conversation. The other guy's not even acknowledged it and it just leaves a slightly bit of taste in my mouth. You know, that that's an example I quite often talk about and it can be the small things. We referred to this earlier on, but it's the... Ref- the small things that can upset a brand. And it's often, I think people think when you're talking about reputation, it's something, you know, you think of Tiger Woods or Jared Ratner, you know, the things that that they made big mistakes and it it blew their brand out of the water. But that example of somebody who cancels a few times and therefore doesn't turn up for appointments and you start to say, well, maybe they're just a bit too busy. What is it? And Go on. I was with a client recently and we had a meeting scheduled with his accountant and my client doesn't particularly understand some of the financials. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, look, when when he comes along to present the information, I'll come along at my cost and I will hold your hand and I'll be there to answer any questions and just act as a a medium between the two. So we had this appointment for maybe four o'clock and it's outside of the city centre. So I got there at 3.30 and I got time and how's your week been? And we grabbed a cup of coffee and we got nice and relaxed and got all the paperwork sorted out. And it got to four o'clock and there was no sign of this guy. And it got to five past and there's no sign of this guy. And it got to quarter past and there's a knock at the door. And this guy waltzes in. So he's 15 minutes late for an appointment that he called. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, doesn't apologize. I'm really sorry for being late. I'm sorry that I've kept the pair of you waiting. Mm-hmm. Just not even an acknowledgement that it was an issue. And for me, that, that I just, I'm sat there grinding my teeth thinking, you know, how dare you not value my time? How dare you not respect your client's time when you're mm. charging him so much money? And how dare you not apologize? And so I was completely distracted for the meeting because all, yeah. I, all this is eating away at me. But then I look back and go, right, well, there's a reason that these reports are late every month. There's a reason that there is um, poor quality in the attention to detail in the reports, that there's incorrect formulas, that there's spelling mistakes. So all the evidence is there. But and you go looking for that evidence because of that impression yeah. he's given you, don't you? Yeah, and I, you know, and I, I, again, I've told this story before, but I worked with the marketing agency and they did some great stuff on my, on my business brand. Mm. But they started to put some social media out for me. It was their request. This is, look, we'll look after the social media. And there was spelling mistakes and there was typos and there was a wrong image with the wrong post. And 
every time something went out that had a typo in it, it literally just, it was like a dagger to the heart. It, mm. You know, I'd, honestly, I went white as a sheet with it. And every time I challenged him about it, I got an excuse. And I got an excuse why, well, this is wrong, that's wrong, we'll put it right. And this was like seven, eight, nine times now mm. that it went on. Anyway, this one particular day, I'm in their reception area. They were, they were on the fourth floor of a particular building. I was in the reception area and I needed to buzz them to get up. And the, the, the girl that was doing the social media posting walked in. Mm-hmm. And she's, oh, I'll let you up. Hi, you said hello. And I followed her up the stairs. And her shoes were filthy. And I mean, I'm talking like a, a one-inch tide mark of mud all around the shoes. Now, if it was the middle of winter, I could probably accept that. Yeah. But it was the middle of summer. So I looked at these shoes and I'm thinking, they have literally been like that for months. You can just, I could just tell by looking at them. And then I go, well, your lack of pride in your appearance is manifesting itself in a lack of pride in my work. Mm. So if you, can't even, if you can't even look after yourself, why would you look after my work? And so it wasn't a process issue by the marketing company I was working mm. for. It was it was a pride issue and an attention to detail issue by the person doing the work. Now, I terminated my relationship with them shortly after. Not because they're a bad agency, they're a great agency. Because they failed to grasp the impact that it was having on me and my business as a result of what the One true individual. issue was. And it was just, she just wasn't aligned to the values of how I wanted to do work. And quite often... And again, you, you'll experience this because I know you do work around values, but quite often if you get an individual that doesn't meet the values of the business, however much you invest in your website, your business brand, I would say, you know, you've got to invest in your people and their personal brand. They've got to align their values. They don't have to have identical values, but they have to have some kind of... Um, acceptance, understanding, um, recognition of those values. I'm not talking about having clones of people, but it's about that ownership of how, it goes back to that choice, that discipline, how you present yourself and your business every single interaction. You're only as good as your weakest link, aren't you? Absolutely. So for me, I think, you know, what a business owner needs to be is they need to be crystal clear about the brand that they want to portray to the outside world. Now, whether it's in eight seconds or an eighth of a second, whether it's online or offline, they've got to be clear about what they want people to be saying about them behind the back. Now, if that's high attention to detail, if it's high quality work, if it's if it's about teamwork, if it's about going the extra mile, if it's about a passion for customer service excellence, you know, what are the, what do you want your customers to say about you behind your back? And then behind that, you've got to make sure that your behavior, your attitude, the the alignment of your team and their behavior and attitude have got to make sure you live and breathe that or those values every single day. Not not occasionally. It's every transaction, every order, every, every phone call, every day, every month. Yeah, and it's it's the it's having a strategy. It's knowing exactly where you want to go. What I talk about the visible expert. I think you put a post on LinkedIn a few weeks ago, and you know it's what you want to be known for. You may have different skills, but what do you want people to know you for? And people often often approach me, and I know I've referred them on to you about business coaching. Yeah. I'm not a business coach. I'm, you know, I work with people specifically on their personal brand and impact, and it's having that clarity that means that you get the right people coming to you and people refer the right people to you and then you get happy customers 
be crystal clear about what you're good at, what, you know, stick to your onions and make sure you just become known for being the expert in that field at that particular thing. And I think a lot of experts, we, we're mm-hmm. having this off, off air, if you like, is they undertake work that isn't their core competence because they need the income. And actually what they don't realise until later is that that's going to damage their brand even more because they finish up not delivering the value and then when clients, prospective clients say to their previous clients, how did he get on with such and such? It was all right, but. And as soon as that but creeps in, you've got a problem with your brand, mm. how you can, how much you can charge for what it is you're offering, and then the referrals stop. So you've got to stick to what you're good at and become brilliant at, uh, you know, at, at what it is that you do. And the referrals come in, I think. So what do you want people to say about you, Gary, when you're not in the room? Uh, do you know what? Look, I, I, I get called Marmite often. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And I think I, you know, it took me a while to realise, don't try and please everybody. So I think those that know me know that I'm straight talking. They know that I've, I've been there and I've done it. I've got the experience. I don't, I've not read a book or been on a course. I've got 30 odd years of experience doing this. You know, I offer a money back guarantee with what I do. I deliver results. I get the results that the clients want. Why? Because I choose my clients carefully. Because if I, you know, if I choose a client that that's not going to do the homework, or is not going to get value, that's going to damage my brand. And it's understanding that. So I take time to choose the clients carefully, and by offering a money back guarantee, it gets me as focused as what needs doing, as them as focused as what needs doing. So for me, most of my business comes from referrals. And as long as my clients continue to get value, that will continue. Brilliant. Thank you. Now oh, you're good to talk. You are welcome. My pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. I'd love you to join in the conversation as well. And the best way to do that is through social media. I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at DO underscore impact. And if you'd like to sign up to my newsletter or know more about my work, please go to my website at deborahogden.com. Tune in for further episodes and please subscribe and share with your colleagues and friends if you've enjoyed this podcast. Thanks for listening to On Brand With. It was hosted by Deborah Ogden and produced by me, Anthony Short. This has been an A Short Stories production.